Your dad had to come up with something that's never been seen before. How did he train that into you guys? Because I see that in your business today. You know, this wild abandon to, to do something special and unique and uh, have fun while you're doing it. You know, the ordinary is not that fun. It was, he's like, don't ever just do the average. Do something they've never seen before. You know, if you're going to do something, do something great. He is an incredibly powerful and influential speaker. He is the expert on persuasion and influence. Michael Burnoff. Michael Burnoff. To Michael Burnoff. Please welcome Michael Burnoff. Prepare to have your mind blown. Michael Burnoff. Welcome to the Average Suck Show, and today is a very, very special day. For personally, for me, and I'm excited about the guests I'm about to uh, share with you here today. I had a Facebook ad pop up a couple of weeks ago, and it was like, boom, something from my childhood. I got really, really excited. It was about a brand new book about a place that I used to absolutely love going to in New Jersey called Action Park. And if you're not familiar with Action Park, it was the original, like, largest water park in the world, one of the most dangerous places that you could go as a kid, which made it super super, super fun. And what I love about the book, and I'm so excited to share with you, and I'm so excited about having Andy Mulvihill on today, is this, is that the park was the first of its kind. No different than any entrepreneur building something out of nothing and turning it into greatness is absolutely incredible. Any child that grew up in North Jersey, anytime in the late 70s, 80s, and 90s, you say Action Park, they're going to say to you a bunch of different things, but they're going to say super fun, super amazing. And I thought up till this time it was built by a big corporation like a Disney no it was built by a family business a man and his wife and his six children which you're gonna hear from one of them here today the experience of literally growing up living in the park and what that created for him in his life and here's the best part he is a massive incredible entrepreneur these days with development and hotels and land and restaurants and everything and what's incredible is it's gonna be information that you can use to grow your life and grow your business so with that said I'm super excited excited about Andy Mulvihill being here today, and you're going to learn a little more about Action Park, my childhood, and how it impacts your life and business. He's got some great stuff to share about our children, education, and most importantly, raising an incredible family. I want to welcome you to the show, and I'm excited you're here, and I got to ask you a question. What was it like to be a child basically living in a water version of Disneyland? I mean, I, I just got to ask that question. What was that like? Well, let me start by saying uh, I'm so so happy to be on your show uh, for three reasons. You hit, you get a home run because number one, you're a Jersey guy. Number two, you went, you went to Action Park as a kid, and you actually read yep. the book. So, man, I read the book we're going to have a lot of fun here. My eight year old read it. We're gonna. Oh, really? I had a couple she buddies. A video, she she made a video for you, and she wanted to say, "Hey, uh, Andy." Um, I got my teeth knocked out walking near, running near the pool. Does that make me appropriate for Action Park? And I said, he's going to love that. So I'll send you that video later. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. But uh, hey, growing up there, it was like, it was unbelievable. I mean, uh, I always think that my dad kind of uh, orchestrated his career. He had six kids, six. Yep. And I always think he kind of orchestrated his career around me because, well, think about it. When I was a young guy, he bought a ski area so I could ski for free with my friends. And then he decided to open a water park so that I could go ahead and work on water rides with girls in bathing suits and have all my friends work there. And then when I, I was- I 18, remember hanging out there talking to the staff. I remember you did a good job hiring. Then when, he was eight, when I was 18, he, he, he brought a brewery in from Germany uh, and, and put it up. So I never ran out of beer, like ever. And then he got in the golf business. And so I could play golf in my 20s. 
And then in my 30s and 40s, he, he started collecting wine. I mean, because you don't drink wine in your 20s. You don't drink until you're 30 or 40. So it was like it's been a wonderful place uh, and a great dad to grow up under. And But the biggest thing is that he was an extraordinary guy, and that's why I'm so excited to be on your show because average sucked in his world, that's for sure. I, I saw I saw that immediately, and I read the book, and I'm telling you, folks, uh, you can get the book anywhere. It's through Penguin. You can get the book anywhere. And what's exciting about it is Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, whatever you guys want to do. I'm sure you have a place recommendation you want. But the reason, the reason I'm excited about this is I talk about this all the time. This was, if you've ever, as an entrepreneur, said, we want to invent something that has never been invented before, um, this was this park. And I'm going to be putting a little promo out lately with the loop that you see in the back there that my friends and I would walk into the park. I got to tell you, Sandy, and we'd walk in and we'd maybe want to impress people and tell them we went down that thing. We never went down it. I know you went down that slide um, with the loop in the back. And that, before we even get started with everything else, I want to ask you, what was your mindset going into that? Because I got to tell you, I don't understand what G-force it would take to, to penetrate through that thing. But like, literally, I, I was told there was a guy that, from the book, that welded together a bunch of random pipes, put it up, and then basically hoped that thing would work. What was the mindset? I know everyone else has offered 100 bucks to go down it. How did, you, how did your dad sell you on that? Or are you just borderline always crazy? Well, you know, uh, I, well, I don't know, it's 15, 16, 17, something like that. When you're that age, you're invincible, right? And, yep. you know, I had tremendous confidence in my father. So if he said it was okay to do it, you know, I would do it. Um, but I have to tell you, of all the rides, that one probably gave me the most trepidation to, to, to uh, test. Because think about this. I'm like, I don't know, I'm on a ladder. I can't remember exactly. We had it set up in the parking lot. And it was kind of like leaning against this big hill rock. Uh, and I was, and they had like mats. There was like no water that I was going to run out in. I was going to like virtually run out on gravel if I made it through the thing. But it's, I looked down the hole and it's, it's like pitch black. I could barely see. And I know how steep it is. And they're like, got a garden hose shooting water to make it slick. I was scared to death. And I'm thinking, we got six kids. You know, maybe my dad doesn't want to have six. Maybe he only wants to have five kids, you know? <laughs> But no, he said, do it. And I, I put my hockey equipment on, thank God, and I did it. And you're right. The G-forces, you know, once you, you're zooming down the thing, it's fine. But when you hit that upslope, right, the upslope here, your stomach just gets ripped right through your throat. It, it is not a pleasant experience. And when you get up to the top of the loop, you know, you get all combobulated, discombobulated. And when you come out of that thing, you don't know where you are. And I come through the thing, and my father's like, how was it? And I'm, I'm like, uh, I guess it was pretty good, Dad, you know? It was something. Was that the only time you did it? Uh, I probably did it a couple more times, but not a lot. It was not fun. You know, 95% of the rides were like a blast. That one yep. was a ride to survive. It wasn't really one to enjoy. Yeah, and then so, so the big thing I, I got to ask you, th this was something I got out of the book, and – and this was something that you wrote in there that was really, really incredible that Gene, your father, uh, had, had put out there. He's like, I want to offer people the ability to be in control of their own fear, control of their own terror, control of their own stuff. And I thought about that for a second. Like you go to Disneyland, you go on a ride, you wait in line, they strap you in and then you experience and it's over. For everybody listening, everything at this park, you move a little to the right, to the little to the left, the Alpine slide, you go a little too fast. I have skid marks on my back still to this day um, from that ride, which I'm proud of and I'm not gonna uh, not, not be proud of. But, I, but what's fascinating is, 
was that a mindset of like letting somebody, cause that's like an entrepreneurial thing to let somebody be in control of their destiny. Was that something in your childhood? Was that something your dad preached or pushed? Cause I love that idea as an entrepreneur, like being in control of your, your destiny more than ever and offering people a chance to experience that too. That was an allure of the park. You know, it, it, I think it's a combination of things. I think that he wanted to do something that was unique. That was important to him, right? That was, he's like, don't ever just do the average, do something he's never seen before. You know, if you're going to do something, do something great. And he always, we always try to apply that to everything we did, but, but he, be, he believed in that. He also didn't have the financing to build, to buy these like $10 million roller coasters. So he had to come up with another angle that would give people exhilaration and thrills without costing a fortune. And, and I guess the last thing is that he had confidence in people, you know, he had confidence certainly in his kids. And he was a guy that just believed that, you know, people should be able to make choices for themselves. I mean, he took really the idea of skiing and applied it to an amusement park, right? So if you go on to go skiing, go down the bunny hill, take it easy, you can. But if you want to go up to the steeps and the deeps and in the trees or in the moguls and go fast, man, it could be thrilling, but there's risks associated with that. He was okay with that. And there were not a lot of guys that had the guts that he did to pull that off. But you got to realize he was a pioneer in this industry because the water park really, this has hadn't been around. So he's kind of making it up as he goes along. And uh, he just, he always applied, tried to do something that was unique and different where you kind of controlled it. And boy, it was a formula that people loved because they came back in droves. So, so let's take that formula. Let's take that to business. Do you still apply that today? Because I realize you guys went into development out there. That town, Vernon Valley, I mean, that was, when you were a kid, there was nothing there. Was there, was that like anything going on other than? No, it was, it was like a, it was started out, really it was a farming community. There had been some mining years ago. Uh, Bethlehem Steel had mined. I even think Thomas Edison was up in the area mining. It was Austin everywhere in Jersey. He yeah. gets credit for everything in Jersey. Yeah. And, um, and then it became kind of like a lake lake and bedroom community there were a lot of lakes that were built from swamps but there was really no business or industry and then uh, the ski areas got started in the late 60s early 70s and then my dad got the amusement park going in the later 70s and it's really transformed the whole area that's for sure so so let me ask you this. how did he deal with and how did you guys deal with you had two two groups of people you and, I, and i'm just this is interesting for the world today probably people don't ask this question is that you got the group of people that loved it like us young kids we loved it um, were parents back then as concerned as they are right now? Cause we all turned out pretty good. I mean, I, you had a few issues at the park out of all the people that went, I'm gonna tell you the issue levels, like the most minute thing in the world. How did, how did you guys deal with the, was there a split consensus of like, this is a good idea. This is a bad idea. And how did you deal with that? Cause that's one of the issues business owners deal with like, Oh my God, what if I get sued? Oh my God. What if I get hurt? What if people don't like it? How like your dad had to like come up with something that's never been seen before. How did he train that into you guys? Because I see that in your business today. You know, it's just, um, you know, this wild abandon to, to do something special and unique and uh, have fun while you're doing it. Um, you know, the ordinary is not that fun. It's not, it, extraordinary is fun, you know. And, and we're, you know, he taught us to entertain. In fact, I think it started with my grandfather. You know, he used to have parties all the time and he set up like a game room, a shooting range in his basement for us when we were little kids. So this whole idea of like entertaining people was kind of in our blood. And the other thing is we were also very athletic. You know, we're always doing sports. My dad was a big sports guy, a golfer, basketball player, skier, tennis. He did it all. And I, I've done it all. And, you know, my, and my daughter does it all. So it's kind of like ingrained in us. And, um, 
I, I think that, you know, just taking those ideas of like trying to do something that's really neat and fun and unique and like, wow, you know, we're, we're the type of people that, that like to laugh and like to have fun and be exuberant. And, and uh, that's, you know, you got to charge through life like that if you want to, you know, from my perspective, really have a fulfilling life. And it served me well, that approach for sure. This is interesting because a lot of this I'm getting from the book. Like I, I'm, uh, I'm in psychology, I'm big into psychology. And one of the things I understand is that there are some things that your father passed down that it sounds like you're sharing with your family as well now, correct? Stuff that you oh, passed down, stuff that you did. So what, what are a couple of those secrets that, that if Gene was here right now and he were to, what would he have said that you need to do as a parent, as a, as a human that really is going to make the biggest difference? Because it sounds to me like you're talking about this like I'm gonna say almost like a mafia family. Like this is what we do. This is what we are. This is how we work where there's people that can't even figure out how to work with their wife or their husband. And you figured out six kids, mother and father, all your friends got involved. How did he build that sense of community and, and build it inside of you? Cause I, I'd love that. Cause it seems like you've just passed that on and wanting to have that show up in people's lives. I, it's an interesting question. I'd love the answer to. You know, I, I think I'm going to bore you with my answer because I don't know I that it's... I want the bore. I want the... Listen, Action Park was scary and dangerous enough. Colorado River was my favorite ride, but go ahead. Uh, bore me. I think it was um, a combination of the fact that, you know, he was a Marine. And so okay. he was very into discipline, you know. And we were really very well-disciplined kids. Very, very strong family unit. Uh, a mother that was very moral and was you know really was all all was like super mom like we didn't send christmas cards to our relatives we made them and sent them to our relatives you know every holiday there was something going on she would have have a party um and then we went to church every sunday so we had all that going for us but with that came like let's go and do sports and let's be competitive and let's go out and have fun like go out and get drunk you know go out and do crazy stuff but just make sure that you know, you, you show, uh, you know, you're nice to other people and, you know, you're responsible for your actions and everything else is fine. My dad only had like three or four rules that he gave me growing up. Don't ski out of bounds. Don't drink and drive and don't drive a motorcycle on the road. I mean, that was pretty much it. <laughs> and uh, otherwise, I, I don't know. You know, we all worked really hard in school, at least most of us did. And I, and I don't remember him, you know, yelling at me to study, but we did. But then we also partied really hard and did a lot of crazy things. So I don't know quite how it all happened, but I think you need to have that structure. As long as you have that strong structure to come back to, you can go out and do crazy and fun, wild things within parameters. Got it. So, so even the park was almost like your life. It was like it had its structure, it had its parameters, don't go outside the lines. If you do it right, it'll work okay. And if you do it wrong, it doesn't work okay, correct? It's almost like you ran the park the way you ran your life. Well, I'll tell you that the thing that's come up as I've done interviews and talked to people, actually friends that have called me about the book, um, they all talk about how it's very, loyal. very well written, very well written. Thank you. They all, they all talk about how loyal they felt to the place. And, you know, I, all, I often hear when I talk to guys that used to work there, they said it's the best job they ever had. But, you know, so Gene puts his six kids all throughout the park, you know, over a span of years. We weren't all there all the time, but we started out digging ditches. You know, we started out loading carts onto the, um, onto the chairlift for the Alpine slide. And, 
you know, we started at the bottom. We worked our way up. We worked long hours. Usually we'd work like most days in the summer, taking very few off. And I think the other kids kind of saw that dedication and the adults did and how much we cared. And we would bring guys in and people in that kind of had the same ethos. That's who we would identify as guys that would work hard and were loyal and we're having fun. And we had fun. Like, I, I got to tell you, my dad, he loved basketball. He built a couple basketball courts in the middle of the amusement park. Now, I don't know how many amusement parks you've been to that have basketball courts, not many. You know what used to happen during the day? There would be guys playing basketball up there. And I'd say, hold on, time out. And I'd go get six guys that I knew that were good basketball players that worked in the park. And we'd put a team together. We'd go play whoever was winning on the court that day. Right in the middle of the day, we would do that. And uh, guys appreciated that. It was fun. We collected the money that fell out of people's pockets in the Colorado River and all those. And at the end of the year, we had a big party with all that money where all the kids came. We all got drunk and we stayed over at the park overnight. I can't believe my dad let us do it, but that's what we did. And there's a lot of stuff that went on in those parties that's in the book. I can't tell you now because we're uh, live. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you can read read the book and get it. It it brought up childhood. It brought up uh, growing up in Jersey in the old days. So, yeah, I got to, I'll tell you, the reason I'm, I'm, I didn't realize until I read the book what my fascination with with Action Park was, is I love the rides. Um, I'll tell you, some of the biggest metaphors in my life came out of that. I talk about fear for a living. I've worked with hundreds of thousands of people and I describe the cliff jump all the time, like that magic force that comes over you, like you want to jump, you don't want to jump, you you get that feeling. I don't care how tough you are at 14 years old, two things occurred. One is you go to the, yeah, this will be easy. And then this thing stops you when you walk up to it. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, oh, literally, God, yeah. And you got to add the biggest part to it, though. Go ahead, though. You better cross your legs. That's the big thing. That's one no, of the biggest no, no. The, the biggest part, I don't mean to interrupt your point. The water? No. It's all the people. All yes. the, the way it's set up, you're on a stage. There's hundreds, yes. of, if not thousands, of people yes. looking at you. And if you chicken out, and you're in you're in New Jersey, man. If you chicken out, yeah, Jersey you can in the 80s. scream that. Yes. Get out of my way, you asshole. Yeah, I remember that. And oh. I, I remember standing at the edge, wanting to go, wanting to go, wanting to go. And like, I remember people are looking and like, when's he going to jump? But it's like, you just you get yourself to do it. And then after you did it, you learn, yeah, you cross your legs next time. A, that water is freezing. Don't bite your tongue. It's 40 things the lifeguards could have said. You swim over, but here's the coolest part. The next time you go, it's still scary, but it's easier. And that's, yeah. I'm going to tell you, like, you help shape part of my entrepreneurship in childhood. And even doing that in the American Gladiator thing you had later on at the park, it was like so many things there made a big difference. But we used to go out of our way to cause extra havoc at the park. Like, I, I think it's oh, something you, you guys put- appreciate that. On. Like, well, let me explain havoc. Like, we tried to get thrown out of the Colorado Rive, not thrown out by you, but like, how do we get the ride to flip us at the end? And then we, we, we lean all lean one way, bump heads and everything. And I'll tell you, I think one of the things I respected the most about it is how much you guys stayed out of our way and trusted us with the park. Whereas at Disney, you get in trouble for everything. You look left, you look right, somebody just, gets in your way. I think that was a big part of it is how much you trusted and respected the clientele that you would assume we would do the right thing. And I, it's fascinating hearing you say that that was actually your dad's approach to, and I read, actually read it in Phil Knight's book with Nike is like, see how great people can be, throw them in a job, see how great they can do and trust them. Was that a big thing that Gene pushed was the, uh, was the trust to other people? You know, it was, it was about freedom. You know, I, I'll never forget when we yeah. built the Roaring Springs it was a huge, huge grotto, like huge, all pools everywhere and slides and everything. 
and it's like almost done. And I'm like, what about the railings? And he says, what railings? I said, we got to put railings so people just don't jump in everywhere. He's like, we don't need any railings. <laughs> I'm like, you're crazy. And, you know, even Johnny Knoxville, when he, he made a movie that was inspired by this, and I talked to him on the phone about Action Park, he kept on saying to me, could you really do whatever you want there, man? He's just like, wow, you couldn't, could you? I'm like, yeah, you could. And the thing that's great is when Knoxville was promoting his movie, and guys like Jimmy Fallon would say to him, I heard this guy, Gene Mulvihill, started that park that your movie's kind of themed on, and he would let people do anything. He must have been a crazy, evil guy. And Knoxville every time would say, no, man, he was a genius. So genius. the guy that was the, uh, you know, Johnny, the, the jackass guy, and the uh, really precursor to the X Games and crazy YouTube videos, Johnny Knoxville saying my dad was a genius. I think that's kind of cool. I, 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 he really, really was a genius because if you think about it, it was never done before. Like I, I'd never been to a wave pool before. I was talking to Chip here from with our team on the video crew, and they were saying, "Hey, I think they invented the wave pool. I've never seen one like that in my life." But it wasn't a wave pool; it was like a wave ocean, and there was a million things going on. And then you're serving beer next to the wave pool, which I thought was fascinating in itself. That you were trusting people, you could get a drink, you could go in the wave pool, you could jump off a cliff, you could do a million things all in one day. Um, my, my question for you is when, um, did it ever get boring or was it fun every day? Like, like going in there. Cause I know it was wonderful to go to the park. It's one of my favorite things to do. We went from camp. My parents would take us. It was in the entertainment book. So we always got to go on the entertainment book when it was in there at one point, I remember parents would say, just meet us back in three hours. I couldn't, I, I probably have been 80 times to the park. I mean, at a minimum that over the course of my childhood, uh, um, did it ever get boring being there? No. No, I mean, because we were constantly evolving, constantly, like, there were new rides every summer, you know, we're trying to figure out how to do things better. There were, like, girls everywhere to chase. I mean, that was yep. fun. And then there were friendships. That was a big that part had. of the park. Yes. Oh, totally part of the park. And, uh, you know, it was incredible. You know, I got to go back into what we were talking about earlier. And I, I have to say, you know, one I love of the, the ADD. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things that my dad had uh, which I really realized in doing the research is his willingness to take not just the the ride risk, but the financial risks that he took. Yep. He had incredible, incredible tolerance for risk. Uh, something that I don't know that I have. And, and I, I think as I look back, why he would take the risk he did is he had such confidence in himself that if it didn't work out, he just try something else, you know, just like if this company doesn't work out, I lose all my money in I'll just open another company. And when you have that kind of confidence in yourself, it really allows you to take a lot of risk. That's one of the biggest reasons I was excited about our world reading the book. And I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to promote your book for you because I, I love it. Get Action Park, get the book. Uh, literally just type in Action Park on Amazon. You'll find the book. And then spend a few minutes watching on YouTube some of the crazy videos about the park. It'll, it'll get you like you were there. It was the mindset of an entrepreneur that excited me so much about the book, which I didn't see it that way as a kid. I just thought you built a really cool park for me. I also didn't realize how dangerous it was because it's all I knew. You know, I'd go to Dorney Park and I'd look around. It was very different. I'm sorry. Very, very different. Sweet little rides going to my parents and stuff. My parents at your park would go on the entry of the wave pool and then they'd go do my thing there. What do you think was the, because just to put this in context, I believe he heard about in the Swiss Alps or something, there was the Alpine slide. Just so everybody context, 
uh, Gene owned a, um, a ski slopes back in the day, Vernon Valley and then Great Gorge eventually, right? Both of them or Great Gorge, yeah. then Vernon Valley. I don't know if I got it in the right order. You could tell I read the book. Um, and he took a ski slope and said, how do we make money on this in the summer? And there was someone who was in Switzerland that he got the idea from, or where was that? Germany, Germany. Germany, forgive me getting it wrong. I see all the German, uh, the beer steins behind you with the, uh, with the lady. So in Germany, they had this. He had no idea if it was going to work or people were going to like it. And basically put out an ad, said, come out for a dollar or a dollar 25 and you can go once down the ride. Is that what it was? Yeah, that sounds about right. What did it feel like in the morning? Because all I could picture is that movie, um, I could picture that movie, uh, we built a zoo where we live in a zoo with Mark Wahlberg. I think it was where like they hope people would show up. What did it feel like that morning? Took a year, built the, built this ride and then hoping they're going to show up. No internet, no cell phones, no GPS tracking. What was that morning like? And, and, how, whether... and, and how about the fact that he had no experience in this business? No. None. He had no experience in the ski business, no experience in the amusement park business. But again, he, he was fearless, right? So he yep. figured he could figure it out. And he tried everything. You know, he tried newspaper ads, flyers, radio ads, you know, all different types of gimmicks, you know, chewing tobacco, spitting contests, Dolly Parton look-alike contests. I mean, all apple eating. I mean, all Americana stuff. If there was something yep. to try, he would try it. And uh, I, I mean, we had concerts. We had Chuck Berry uh, there. All the – we had uh, Great Balls of Fire guy. We had all of them there. Yep. And then we had these festivals too, you know, Irish festival, German festival, Italian festival, Oktoberfest. I mean, he did it. He tried everything. Um, but he the other thing that was, was nonstop, 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 like ideas tried out, idea tried out. And, um, you know, the other thing that he taught me, which I think is really important, which I think you hear from almost any successful entrepreneur, but man, did he put it into play like never before. And that is never take no. Never take no for an answer. And I even I remember as a young guy working for him, and I, I mean, I'm in the development world, and my God, you yep. get told so many times no when you try to develop real estate. And if you yep. took no every time they said no, you never do anything. And you just have to figure out a way around it. He was really aggressive about it, sometimes a little too aggressive about it, but he always ended up landing on his feet. But man, oh man, we got told no so many times, and he just would like find another way around it, a different approach, talk to someone else, you know. You just, you can't take no for an answer. So the park, so, so let me ask you this. So the park, everything seems like I went there, everything seemed flawless. Everything seemed great when I went there. Every once in a while it would rain. You couldn't go motor world, different things. Had to run and get your shoes on. I remember the, this park vividly. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you would yep. like from the lockers on the way in with chewing gum on the top of them. I remember all of this stuff. But my, my question for you is what percentage of stuff that he went for, you as a family went for, the park went for, worked out really well versus didn't work out and we just don't know about? Well, the skateboard park was bombed because, uh, and that was one of the first things he put really? in. Yeah, because not enough people could skateboard. I mean, there were the okay. number of people that could really skateboard. That seems like a good idea back in the day with the half pipe revolution. It was, yeah, but the, the, the audience was small and you, and you couldn't like, it was frustrating to learn and you get hurt. I mean, that was something you absolutely would get hurt on. Even kids would get hurt on that one. Not badly, but you'd sprain your ankle like in two seconds. So that didn't work. You know, the battle action tanks for all the imagery of it, it never really worked all that well. I love those tanks. It's so hot in there, but I love them. 
<laughs> well, there you like it. Cinema 180, we put in Motor World, which was a terrible idea because it was so hot down there. And, and it was like this, it was like the 360 filming and people would get sick and throw up in that thing like every day. So constantly smelled in there. That didn't go well. Um, what else did how, I mean, how did you not loop. focus on these things? So you spend these tanks must have cost thousands of dollars a piece. They didn't make any money to the park. You put a couple quarters in so you could shoot tennis balls. Read about it in the book, everyone. And at a hundred thousand degrees inside, those things smelling like gas, right? How did you live with every day looking at it and go, that shit was expensive. That was a waste. That was um, that was because I think a lot of people don't deal with that well. Like, how did you walk past something and go, okay, well, then, you know what? Man, I, I was 17, so I didn't have to. My father had to. How did he deal okay. with it? You know, he he's a guy, uh, you know, they're, they're saying fail fast and move on. It, he didn't let stuff bother him. It was just like roll right off of him, and he'd go on and, oh, well, I tried it. It didn't work out. You know, he would, sometimes he'd reapproach it and see if there's another way to fix it. But if he realized he failed, he just pushed it aside and went to the next thing. Interesting. Well, I want to I want to jump ahead here right now. You said something to me before we got started here today, maybe on the video up here, but maybe not on Zoom, when we talked about what you're up to these days with kids and education and what's going on. Um, you got your education in the real world, it sounds like. You went to school, you played sports, but hockey, which I played, which I love that. It's one thing I love about you, hockey, jersey, and action park. Those are three things I love. Um, Kids today growing up in the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, things like Action Park, a uh, different world. How is that translated today with what's going on? Like, what did that give you? What do you feel that gave the world? I'd love to just have an open conversation about that right now. Like, that was a wonderful part of my childhood, the park, the way I lived, just the way Jersey was back in the day versus today. And I'd love to talk about what we can do to really help out kids these days. Cause the amount of confidence we had, I don't know if kids would go down that loop today. And if they did, it wouldn't be for the right reason. Like what, what about, I don't know if you understand my question fully, but um, what about growing up the way you did and the way we did in North Jersey at the time? Uh, how does that, uh, how does that translate to what's going on in the world today? I, you know, I, I think personal, personal responsibility was like, a lot bigger back then because you, you know, you kind of were on your own and you sank or swam on your own. And uh, I don't think, I think that with, you know, parents keeping such close eye on their kids and, you know, the nanny state where government's taking care of everything and regulating everything, you know, you don't tend to be as responsible for yourself. And I don't think that's good. I think it makes people soft and it makes them not like uh, hard workers and not all that productive. I don't think any of that's good. Um, you know, education, you know, I, I, I got a kind of a different take. It's kind of like an, another way to look at that. I, I just... Um, Let me hear it because I'd love... I'm open to all perspectives, man. All right. Well, this is this is really not got a lot to do with personal responsibility. It's just got to do with the system that we have. So um, in New Jersey, I got put on the State Board of Education about eight years ago. And the first thing I learned about is a thing called the... the uh, the gap, the performance gap between um, the minorities and the white kids that they, you know, wherever you were at, at a school or in a county or throughout the state, you had this big achievement gap and the white kids always did better than, and the Asian kids always did better than the minorities. And it's, it's a terrible thing. Why should that be? Um, so guess what? Um, that happens when that happens in, in Newark, right? So you got kids in Newark and Patterson and Camden that are like, 
getting a terrible education, they're like, if they don't get an education, they've got no chance. Because if they're in poverty and they come from a broken family and there's drugs and crime everywhere, your only chance to get out is to get an education. And if you don't get one, you're screwed. So everyone in screaming in New Jersey and all through the country, and particularly my progressive and liberal friends, are like, these kids are getting screwed. We have to do something about it. And they try everything. They try this system, that system. They throw money at it. Asbury Park, they're spending like $45,000 a kid. They took money from the rich areas and gave it to the poor areas. And nothing was working. And then, doesn't work. And then all, of a sudden, doesn't work. all of a sudden, somebody came up with this idea of, well, should we like take the capitalist idea of choice and apply it to schools? So maybe the parents can like pick the school they want their kid to go to. And the schools that are good, they'll want to go to. And the ones that aren't good, they won't want to go to. And if we let people open up their own schools and run their own schools through a thing called charter schools, where the government's not running it, it's, it's education paid for by the government, but not schools run by the government, maybe we should try that. So you know what? When Chris Christie came in, he put that into play, and they started building charter schools. And you know what happened? The charter schools worked. And now, if you go into the city of Newark, you will find that the kids that go to the charter schools and some of the magnet schools, where the parents have choice, are outperforming the traditional charter, the traditional schools, like, significantly, and they're actually outperforming the average score of a kid in New, throughout New Jersey. So they're doing better than the state average. And New Jersey's ranked number two in the country. So you have all these minority kids that are, like, getting great education, it's phenomenal. The, the, the thing has been solved. And then Christie's gone and Murphy comes in. You know what they do? They say no more charter schools in terms of no more new, new charter schools. We're not opening up anymore, which is a real shame because there are. And you can speak freely on this show. Huh? <laughs> you, can, you can speak freely on this show. Feel free. There's 30,000 kids in Newark that want to go to charter schools that can't get in because there aren't enough seats. So when you apply for a charter school, they, they randomly accept kids. So there's, you have Johnny and Joey. Johnny gets to go to the charter school. He gets a great education. Joey doesn't. He goes to the crappy traditional school, and his life is ruined. He becomes a criminal and goes to jail. The other kid becomes a lawyer. And so the problem is solved, right? Choice charter schools. It's working. Not always. And if the charter schools don't work, they get shut down. But we've closed the achievement gap. Kids are doing well. Murphy comes in, says, I'm not letting any more charter schools open up. Why? How's that so? He's a progressive. He's a liberal. He's supposed to care about minorities and the downtrodden. But why? Because the teachers' unions who finance this campaign are against them because the charter schools are not unionized. And there's accountability there, and they don't want accountability. So it's, to me, it's like you want to get into politics and you want to help your friends. You want to steal some money. You shouldn't. It's wrong. It's illegal. But you steal some money, that's not good. But you're going to screw kids. You're going to take kids and give them no chance so that you can have power and be elected. Man, that really turns my stomach. So I'm pretty passionate about it, and I work real hard. I, 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 lo I, lo I love your passion. I also love your solution because it also goes back to the same thing with the park. It's the choice. Let people have choice. You eliminate choice from people, they take the best choice that's given to them, which is a bad choice. So if you give people a choice, this is like what your dad said, they'll do the right thing. If you give a kid, you can't pay for a kid to be educated and hope it's going to work out. I was it 
was it Lincoln that said you can't um, help somebody by doing what they could, should, and would do themselves? We have to give them an opportunity to do it themselves. And right. I'll, I'll tell you, you're, you're, you're right on point. And this is fascinating. So I'm really big into mentorship. And I think of your dad mentored you and your, your brothers. You're mentoring these people. You're taking all these things you learned growing up in the park, living your life, and you're applying those, whether you realize it or not, to, to these children saying, we need to build somebody that gives somebody an opportunity. So you feel like building things is the secret? Building and creating is better than trying to fix? Um, you know, I, I'm a, I am a, uh, a guy that likes to build new stuff. I'm a developer. I know that. Um, and I'm, I'm up in Sussex County where there's a lot of grass and green trees, not a lot well, of buildings to renovate. Jersey has that out here. You probably think I live in a little of the desert in Phoenix, but Jersey's gorgeous. Yeah, no, people don't realize how gorgeous New Jersey is. And, um, and there's a lot of, there's still actually a lot of open space in New Jersey up, up by us for sure. Um, but no, I like to build new stuff and I like to build something that people haven't seen before. Um, you know, I do, I did a built a, a hotel called the Grand Cascades Lodge in Crystal Springs. It's kind of an, a lodgy Adirondack style, but kind of modern twist. And I've got an 18 hole natural putting course, which is kind of unique. And then I also wow. built a restaurant inside of a vegetable garden. Uh, we call it the chef's garden where there's a, a spit and a smoker and a grill and you actually eat inside where all the vegetables are growing, which is, was, was, is being done now around the world, uh, but wasn't done so, probably was done in Europe for a thousand years, but wasn't done in the US uh, until this whole farm to table thing took off. Uh, so I try to do unique, fun things, you know? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, um, the interesting thing. I, I love your concept of building. I love the concept of making things happen. I gotta, I gotta retro back to this and we'll move this around when we, uh, when we do the editing of, of all, all the show, I got to ask you a couple of park questions. I love this education thing. I'm throwing that in there. Cause I, I want to help your, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I have that with my kids and I, I can afford to send my kids to private school and I understand the charter school. I totally get the concept that if you don't give them a good education, there's nothing can happen, but you can't force to give them one. My, um, my question for you, um, memory of being there outside of anything in the book, if there was something you could have put in that you didn't put in, in the book, that maybe another story, I know what it's like, cause I just got my book oh, done. There's seven of the books I could have written. What story was missing from a day at that park? Well, I have to tell you a um, couple things went on when we were writing the book. Uh, number one is we had far more stories than we had rooms. So we cut like 150 yeah. pages out of the book. It's a couple hundred pages, the book. I mean, it's a good 250. Three, it's, three, yeah, it's over 300 pages. So we, we cut about 150 pages out of it, number one. Number two, the Penguin editors were very careful about to make sure that my character in the book, well, all the stories are true, they wanted me to be likable. And so some of the more gritty stuff kind of got cut out too. Okay. Uh, and, then, and then I also, you know, out of respect for people that I have known growing up, I kind of like had second thoughts about sharing some of that personal information. So some of that got caught, cut out, but some I'll of the guys you hazed pretty Some of the guys you hazed pretty good in the book, which I liked. Oh, well they some were, the you know, some, some of them I changed their names cause they asked me to, but other guys are like, here's my name. Dave. And then that guy smoke, he wanted his name used for sure. But uh, I'll tell you a story that didn't make it into the book. So, we're building the skateboard park. My father wants to do a skateboard park. And he finds out through his friend, Phil Gerard, who's a, a wackadoo who he met in Aspen. 
who trained Susie Chappie and all the freestyle skiers at his uh, facility in LA where he has like a, a, a pool that they jump into and he's built this, these ramps. Anyway, Phil says, Gene, I got, if you do a skateboard park, I know Bobby Piercy. He's the best skateboarder in the world. He wins all the competitions. I'll get him to design it for you. And see, Gene says, great. They make a deal. Bobby's supposed to come out. Bobby doesn't come out. Well, come on, get Bobby. All right, Bobby's supposed to come out. Bobby doesn't show up. Next week, Bobby's supposed to, Bobby doesn't, finally, Gene says, Phil, get Bobby Piercy today. Now, right now. He's a man of action. So literally, the next day, I'm coming home from school, and a limo pulls up, and out jumps this blonde-haired kid with like a little cheesy mustache, long blonde hair, and he's in a white one-piece Elvis suit. And he's got a skateboard and his backpack. And he's there for the summer. He's got nothing else. He had been grabbed by Phil Gerard, like out of a party after one of his performances and like grabbed, literally kidnapped and thrown on the plane, said, kid, you're coming with me now. And then Bobby Piercy, who's like the world's best skateboarder, starts doing tricks in my garage. So yeah, oh, that was crazy. a lot of fun, but it gets even more fun. So Bobby comes up to design this, this skateboard park and the guy building it is this guy, Charlie O'Brien, who's like a drill sergeant Marine. Uh, with one eye, who is, runs the snowmakers. He's tough as nails. He's a Sussex County guy, real, real rough, tumble guy. And you got this, like, guy, yeah, man, kind of move it this way. It's cool that way. I kind of feel the vibe. Charlie wants to, like, smack this guy. He's bothering him so bad. Anyway, the park finally gets built, the skateboard park. Grand opening. Press is all there. We're ready to, like, cut the ribbon, and there's no Bobby Pierce. Like, where's Bobby? He's supposed to be here. So my father said, Pete, go check his condo. So my brother Pete runs up to Bobby's condo, and he, he goes and knocks on the door, and he hears, get, get out of here. And he hears like a girl's voice, and, 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 he, and he won't won't come out. He won't let him in. So my brother runs back down, and he tells this guy, this Irishman, Charlie O'Brien, he says, he's up there. He, won't. he says, he's up there, and he won't. I'll show you. Charlie O'Brien goes up to the condo. He doesn't knock. He doesn't try to open the door. He kicks the door in. And he runs in, and there's Bobby with the uh, PR director. I don't know quite what they were doing, but he grabs Bobby by, like, the neck, throws him in his outfit, and drags him down the hill. And my father was fine with that because we needed Bobby to cut the ribbon, man. Oh, that's awesome. That, he was aggressive like that with everything? You know, um, Charlie was. But my father, it, it's funny, he would – certain guys he'd yell at, and other guys he would never yell at. He, it's – and – you know, after he'd yell at a guy, I'm like, why are you yelling at that guy? He, says, he needs it. He needs to be yelled at. And he, he was understood how to motivate people. Yeah, and even the guys that he, like, he used to yell at that guy, Charlie O'Brien, but they were, like, good buddies, you know? Um, some guys just need to be yelled at to be motivated. I don't know. I, I, he seemed like a natural. He might have learned that in the Marines, uh, being a devil dog. He might have learned the, uh, learning how to, how to do all that. So I was uh, – I saw this earlier. I, um, I know you don't know my family, but my daughter – said to show this to you because she said it would make you happy. My name is Maya. Hello, Andy. My name is Maya. I love to the park. There's nothing in the world like to. She memorized the commercial. Would it be good if I told my own story of how I knocked out my tooth? She thought you think it's cool about getting hurt. In the pool, I ran for fun, and then I knocked out my tooth. I cried for a minute, 
She wanted me to tell you that she would love Action Park and she's a kid of the 80s. So uh, she wanted me, she goes, make sure you tell him that I would love Action Park and I wish it was, I wish I could oh. go. You tell her, you tell her that uh, if, if she, you ever bring her back to Jersey, that I will give her a personal tour of the park and show her where all the stories are and where everything oh. happened. Oh, she, she would love that. I mean, literally, she makes me show her the videos again. Like, hey, show me this. Show me, uh, show me the videos. Show me how that. Would you really jump off? Daddy, I would jump off that cliff. I don't care if it's freezing cold water. I want to go down the Colorado River. So she's excited to um, – I told send, her that some people use – Yep. Send me an email with your, her, her, your address, and I'll send her a signed book. And her, give me your name. Oh. Fantastic. I'll do that. Absolutely. I'd love that. I'd love that. And then send me your address as well. I'm sure my assistant could get it, but uh, I want to mail you something as well. So that would be oh. absolutely, uh, absolutely awesome. So, all right, dude, well, let's, uh, let's pick up. So you have, how many kids do you have? I just have one daughter. The world, the Lord didn't want me to have more than one. All right. I got, I ordered, I, uh, I'll tell you, I, I got two daughters and uh, it's, um, it's crazy. Everyone says, Oh, you need a son. I'm like, well, you don't know, like what they look at you and say, daddy, it's a, it's an amazing thing. So are you, are you carrying on the same tradition your dad did with, uh, with, with her? Or is it a little more tamed? Oh no, no. She is a, uh, since I only have one, she's got to be both my son and my daughter. So I had yep. her like skiing on my back and mountain biking on my back. And she's like a massive outdoors person. She like rock climbs and backcountry skis and mountain bikes and does it all she's like got a, a real adventurous spirit she loves to entertain uh and she works real hard but she has fun so i couldn't nice. be more How proud old of is she now she just turned 30 oh congratulations do you guys still buddies oh god yeah we're we talk across my day. fingers because that's what i'm looking for my little one is we buddies when we get older yeah no i've done uh, I, mean, I just you know what i did when she was in college she went to college in denver and i would uh Always go out. Which, and which school them. in Denver? Which she school? She went to uh, Denver University, and well, that's uh, a great school. Great I school. took her kids. I took her and all of her buddies mountain biking in Moab multiple times, and uh, I just like we this mountain biking in Moab has been a tradition, and so like I was just there with her like six months ago, and it's so much fun. Um, oh, I, I love it. camping. I love, I love seeing the relationship. Great. I love the relationship. So a lot of the stuff that you love, because I, I loved hockey my whole life. So my daughter got into figure skating because I was always at the rink. So we'd skate four or five times a week. We spend all our time together. We do all the crazy, throw me in the pool. Like I've turned her into a little bit of a daredevil. So I, uh, I got to ask you, I got to ask you a couple big questions right now. So a big thing I'd ask you is that um, I know there was a time where the family, you sold the park, correct? And then you start opened it again was it a sale or a reopening or a close and a reopening what happened there because i want to talk like what was it like the second time around i just wanted to ask you that if that fits sure. good if not we'll pull it out of all this no that's fine uh so in by nine, 95 it had been 20 year run my dad was trying to refinance the place it was like a bad real estate deal there were some mounting uh lawsuits he just decided to get out and he sold it to a company called intrawest who was a ski area developer they really ran ski areas they didn't really know what they bought and um they wanted to develop a ski village uh at the bottom of the mountain where most of the amusement park was so when they bought it they shut down a big part of the amusement park for and developed some real estate there um wow. and they ran it for a little bit but then they figured they didn't know what they were doing and they leased it out to a company called palace entertainment to run interest owned the place for 10 years they put like $30 million into the ski area. They built uh, 
like, I don't know, 150, 300, 300 units they built over there and sold. And then the real estate market crashed and they were over leveraged and they needed to sell. And so lo and behold, we were the guys hanging around the area because we had started developing down the valley. We got into the golf business and had built some hotels and uh, we said, hey, man, we'll buy it from you. So we bought it for like cheap. We bought it back for like seven million bucks. Uh, wow. in fact, my dad only put up 700,000 and he got his buddies to put up the rest. So for $700,000, he controlled the asset again, which is crazy. But with the asset came a lot of liabilities. I mean, there were all sorts of challenges that uh, we inherited. But anyway, he bought it back and we had the tenant run the water park for a year or two, but then we terminated the lease and we started running it ourselves. And after a while, we decided to bring the Action Park brand back because it was really hard to try to figure out how to monetize it. So they had, when, when IntraWest had bought it, they dumped the name Action Park, got rid of all the Mountain fun, Creek fancy rides, and they called it Mountain Creek Water Park. Yep. It was a lot tamer. The attendance went from an average of 15,000 people a day to like three. Um, so they des decimated the business. So we, we get it back, and we are trying to figure out what to do with it. And we figure, you know what, let's bring the Action Park brand back. Uh, and we, you know, our theme was um, all the thrills and none of the spills. Um, but what we came to figure out very quickly is that, you know, we're so regulated. It was so hard to do anything that was unique or fun. Um, we tried for a few years. We got a ton of press. I mean, unbelievable amounts of press by using the Action Park name. So that really worked. Our tenants went up. We, we put in a couple of rides that were kind of fun. But then my father passed and my sister and I decided, you know, we had all these other partners that kind of made a deal with my dad. We just decided it was time to sell. So we sold out and we uh, focused on our other holdings at Crystal Springs. And it really turned out to be a wise thing because a couple of years later, the place filed for bankruptcy and the guys that bought it have uh, had their hands full. That's for sure. Got it. So, so what was, what was different? I just want to last, last question on this. And then I got to ask you a, a big business question was what was different in, cause I moved out of Jersey in 95. Microsoft gets invented. There's email, the whole world changes from 95 to 2005 more than ever before in history with regulations ideas. What was life? How was it different to run it? 82 versus 2003. Oh, I mean, whatever year that was getting a ride approved to build a new ride the op the, the the what they put you through it like takes like two years to get a ride approved we used to get a ride approved in like one day now it takes two years and you know the amount of engineering that you have to do the calculations that you have to do it's just insane and but i'll just give you a prime example of how crazy things have gotten so i think even today, kids know about the idea of finding a branch over a body of water, whether it's a river or a lake or a pond, and you put a rope on it and you can swing from the side of the from the side of the land out into the water and let go of the rope. A Tarzan swing. Well, guess what? We put that at Action Park 40 years ago. And for 40 years, people would swing on that rope and they would go in that water. And you know what? If you had a, a weak shoulder and you swung down, you could dislocate your shoulder. Or if you had a bad back, you know, and all the pressure when you swung down on it, it could hurt your back. Or if you were one out of like 10,000 and there was nothing wrong with you, you just could land funny and you could like hurt yourself. 
So after 40 years of that ride being open, one day the state of New Jersey showed up and said, not when we owned it, this ride is no longer safe. I mean, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Now, if it was my father, even today in the state of New Jersey showed up, believe me, we would have figured out a way to keep that ride open. But the guys that have it now just, um, you know, they, they have a different thought process. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a different world, man. I, I'll tell you everything. And I, I think of my thing when I was on that rope, it was like, no problem getting on. Got to get myself to jump. Like what you said earlier, there's the show, everybody's watching you to get yourself to let go. That was one of the things I was like, the first time I went on, I'm like, the, the, I remember the lifeguard saying, let go. And I had to actually let myself <laughs> let go of the thing. Cause I guess that was my fear. Not was swinging out was literally letting go of the rope to get myself off it. Was I the only person that had that problem? No, sometimes people would not let go and they'd swing all the way back. But, you know, I would, <laughs> that was a ride that was really fun because, you know, if once you got comfortable with swinging out on it, you could do backflips and all sorts of tricks. But, you know, it's funny, the guys from Mashable that uh, the guy just did this HBO Max vid, uh, movie that's coming out, the documentary, yep. he's got people that had never been to Action Park on there talking about it clearly. This one guy says that he went out on the Tarzan swing, swing out, and he pulled his pants down and show his butt. I mean, that's a, that sounds funny, but no one's strong enough to hold that rope yeah. with one hand and pull your pants down. No one could do that. Guy was yeah. just clearly never had been to the place. But you know yeah, what's crazy? You know what's crazy to me? What's crazy is there's so many true, crazy action park stories. You don't have to make stuff up. Just tell them what happened. That's all. And that's what my book does, man. It just tells you what happened. All those stories in there are true. Nothing's made up. What I love about it, it's all, it's all insanity and it's crazy. And it brings us back to, to the world when everything, people just went out there and did what they wanted. I mean, I don't remember what that was called. When you left the Colorado River ride, you came around the corner and it was basically a conveyor belt that you went down. What was the thing? You sat on a piece of plastic and these little rollers. What was that? That, was the, that just, was the aqua scoop. The aqua, the aqua scoop. It was, if you got your fingers in there, you didn't have fingers left. But oh, it, yeah. like, I remember going down that thing and it was like, and that, that thing with that was amazing. That was one of my favorite rides in the whole park. And you'd skim across the water. You'd so skip. Check, so check this out. One of the initiations they used to have. I didn't know. When I found out about this, I put an end to it. They used to take the new young lifeguards and they would strap them to a backboard. So they were strapped in and send them down that thing. <laughs> the dummies didn't think what happened when the backboard would stop. I mean, it would go down. It would hit the water, skim across and then you know what it would do? It would sink. And the guy would be strapped in. So he'd like drown to death if you didn't get him out. Yeah, employees did crazy things. I mean, you, you wouldn't believe that some of the things we did when the park was closed. We used to actually have a thing we called Water World Wars, where we took the, everyone that worked there. We came in real early and we had like this competition, all sorts of crazy stuff um, one morning. And, and like almost every lifeguard showed up because it was, and they weren't paid, it was just for fun. That's the kind of camaraderie we had for the place. Who comes to work to have fun and just screw around, you know? I, you, 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 you built it right. Make it fun. I love, I love that with uh, your dad's approach. So I asked you a question. I was asking you this question earlier when I re-asked it again. What advice would you give uh, a business owner right now today? Like, what would you say to someone that's got an idea, a plot of land, something? What, what piece of advice would you give somebody because obviously you've succeeded on so many things, probably a bunch of failures we don't need to know about, but what advice would you give today 
to anyone starting anything fresh, new, or reinvent themselves or go for it, what advice in this climate right now in the world would you give somebody right now with everything, all the craziness going on? Because we're regulated like you wouldn't believe you can't leave your house with a mask these days. So what, what advice would you give somebody right now? Entrepreneur. Well, I would say um, first, you want to pick a business or pursue an idea where there's such a margin. You know, you can make so much money that if you make all sorts of mistakes pursuing it or operating it, you'd still make money. So it's like my father used to say, he didn't never really study prospectuses. He says, I don't need to look at the details. I look at the big picture. And if I don't see a big fat margin in it, I don't pursue it. If it's a tiny little margin, as an entrepreneur, you know the guys that can make it with little margins are big corporations, right? Big machines. But when you're like a young guy or you're a new entrepreneur starting out, you got to make sure you have something that can be very profitable so you can make some mistakes. I would say that's important. So you're telling me the uh, the profitability margin should be enormous so it gives you room for So the mistakes make room because it's like an investing or flipping or something. If there's a large amount that can be made, you're saying find something that's got big old margins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, number one, you know, why are you pursuing something unless it's just for fun that does, that you can't make some good money on? But you also, you don't know all the answers as you're pursuing it. So if you're not starting with a big margin, uh, at least perceived, and so that you can make some mistakes, so maybe the margin's not so high, I, I think that that's a good recipe. There's a lot of things that go into it, but I think that's a good thought to have. Look, I got a buddy who started a, an adventure travel company called Natural Habitat Adventures. He started it actually at one of the hotels we had in a room, him and his mother. Um, and, you know, he took people to see the seals up in uh, Nova Scotia when they were trying to replace the seal hunt with tourism. Today, the guy uh, does like 100, I, I'm, I'm guessing, about $100 million in sales. He's got hundreds of people working for him. And he says, you know what I've learned? I learned from you. And I said, you know, Benny, you're unbelievable. Everything you do, you know, all the trips you do, it's always perfect. And if you guys screw up, you just refund or you take care of everything, you make it right, you spend money like crazy. He says, that's because I did what your father taught me, which is I make sure I make a big enough margin so that when I make mistakes, I can fix them for people. So, you know, there it is, right in action. I've never, I've never actually, uh, never even heard of that before. I mean, it makes pure sense. Never thought about that. Make, find a way to make enough that if it doesn't work, it's still okay. Yeah, you're going to make mistakes. You're not going to get it perfect. You know, that was his philosophy. Yeah. I love it. So what, what's, uh, so what's on the horizon for you right now? We, uh, we grew up at a water park. You grew up doing what you do. You raised a great child that's doing great things. What's exciting for you in your life right now? What are you passionate about? What are you reading? What are you learning? What's happening right now for you in Andy's life? Well, right now I'm trying to uh, – I have a verbal agreement. I'm trying to get the signed agreement uh, through my Hollywood, produ- my Hollywood agent. You have a Hollywood agent, don't you? We all have Hollywood yeah. agents. Well, Everyone's no, got you don't. I do, though. I can't believe I have a Hollywood agent. I'm trying to finalize the deal with Hulu and 20th Century. Um, and once that gets finalized, I look forward to talking to those guys about making this book into a, a TV series on Hulu. That, I think, will be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, that's kind of like my side job. And then my main job, uh, we're doing, we got like a $5 million expansion we're working on the resort right now. Um, I've got a bunch of land deals that I'm working on. The real estate market has taken off up here outside of New York, I'm about an hour and a half outside of New York. 
New York is a problem for like three Everybody big Everybody wants to get out of New York, man. They're coming to Jersey? Yeah, they are. They're coming out to Sussex County where it's like beautiful. Our resort where you got $100 million worth of amenities with golf courses and country clubs and, you know, awesome restaurants. And uh, New York's a mess, man. I mean, the crime, um, people yep. that got caught in the COVID thing, they're like, okay, there's going to be a, uh, a cure for it, but what happens next time? Because there could be a next time. I'm not going to be caught by little dummy apartment for three or four months. I'm not doing that again. So people are moving out. And, uh, and this, this work from home thing, you know what I, someone I read the other day, do you know that this five years ago, this, you couldn't have, we couldn't have this, what we're doing right now, you no, not at all. Type, but not zoom because of bandwidth. We didn't have the bandwidth five years ago. So, you know, you think it's just this COVID. What COVID did is it forced companies to try this experiment. But now that we've done this experiment, forced, a lot of them have figured out that they can do it. So if you can work from home, why live in Jersey City or Hoboken and pay huge amounts of money for rent or to buy a place when you can live in the country, live in Arizona, right? And just do it all from Zoom. And the good thing about our property is, you know, we're only an hour and a half. So if you got to go into New York, you can be there, you know, one one day a week or one day a month. So. Yeah, no, it's uh, real estate's like really picked up here, which has been a lot of a lot of fun for me. Uh, finally, I got like you know you get it's funny in the real estate market you go with highs and lows. It's crazy, but you really know things are going when you get this. People get this wild look of like they want to buy everything in their eyes, you know, and they're buying, buying, buying. That's like we're in those times. It's crazy. I, I, I it's it, it's insane. I I was talking to someone the other day and. Uh, I was a jewelry store and the lady said, we are selling more than ever right now. And I'm thinking people are home, they're nervous and, and, and people that, that are doing well intelligently when you got money basically for free right now at 2.5% to, to buy a house and arms getting refinanced and everything, people get extra cash around. They're nervous, they're spending, they're excited what's going on. So I'm going to tell you right now, this, this situation, there's a lot of people in my opinion that are sleeping right now. They're going to miss massive opportunity that's going on right now. And it's going to be over. And they're like, what, I missed it? You were too busy watching all the COVID stuff, too busy watching the election and missing, um, missing the opportunity that showed up. So I got to ask you uh, one last question here, big one, is do you think right now, if you started from scratch, you ever could have pulled off um, what you guys did if you started today? Not me. Not me. This guy right here. Right? This guy right yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. Without him, without his, without his, his guts and his vision, couldn't happen. So Gene Mobile would have to, we'd have to dig him up and prop him up and, and revive him for it to happen. Uh, but no, the regulatory environment, you couldn't do it. No way. Even Gene, I don't think he could have done it. But you know what? He, he'd just do something else, like collect wine, which he did, and have one of the greatest wine sellers in the world, which he did. What, so. what, what advice would he give if he was here? Like, would he give to business owners like yourself, like you'd say, like, about what's going on right now, about the opportunity and everything? Like, I, I, I can hear his voice through yours, and I just feel like you probably ask yourself a lot, what would you do, Dad? What would you do? Oh, he would probably double down. I mean, our uh, people are not flying. They're doing drive-to destinations. He'd mm. probably be trying to find money to expand our operation right now because he would, double you down. know, the people are, the New York City thing is going to be a problem for a long time. And, you know, we're in the, the country up here. It's beautiful and it's open and spread out. So I think he'd double down. Um, he'd be aggressive about that. And then he'd look for opportunities, you know, 
entrepreneurs are always looking for opportunities. Yeah, there, there's, I think there's like 250 hotels that, have been, that are out of business now that closed and are never going to reopen in the New York market. The number of restaurants that have closed, you know what opportunity that presents, you know, for, an, for somebody that has some cash and, or an idea and can raise money? Phenomenal opportunity. I mean, that's how it works. Guys go and they fail and other guys come in underneath it and they buy low. Um, <laughs> I got it. No, I got, I got I def definitely got the answer. So I got I to thank you, Andy, for, for coming out today. I'm going to tell everyone again, get the book. Uh, anywhere you want them to get in particular, or just find it anywhere on this planet. Anywhere oh, you can get it any, anywhere. Like, uh, but you can go to uh, actionparkbook.com and uh, there's like some uh, pictures and some little stories, extra stories that you can check it out. And it links to, I think, Penguin's site where you can buy the book. But I promise you, I promise you, I'll even give you a money back guarantee that if you get that book and you don't like find it as a great escape, I mean, there's no way you won't. You'll love it. So go and get it, man. It is a great sure. summertime book. I brought it to, uh, I brought it to the beach and I read it in, in, in a couple sittings and it was super, super entertaining. I mean, granted, it's nostalgia for me being yeah. from Jersey. And I got to tell you, Andy, at any of my events, I can't say, almost all the employees, like there's a time in the day where I waste people's time. I don't waste people's time. I make them sit down and watch, watch this Action Park video. Watch this. Check this out. This is what I did. They don't make stuff like this anymore. And it's just like, I got to tell you, what you created, what your family did was a huge part of my childhood. I'll have to tell you, when I left in 95 and came out to Arizona, um, I believe I went back to the park one more time after that. Was it open in 96 or not? Was it open it, in 96? It closed for one season. It was closed right around 95, 96. Your, your timing was great. You left, you said the hell with Jersey Action Park closed, right? I, 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 I left, I left Jersey. I, uh, I, I left, came out to Arizona State, which is its own version of Action Park in itself. Um, and it, it was, was crazy. And um, yeah, man, I, uh, I love talking to Jersey people. Do you have an ice rink at ASU? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, we have a Division One club. So get this, I'm playing hockey out at Stanford. Yeah, and we, we go down there. We're club, and we're, but we're playing uh, the Arizonas, USC, UCLA, Berkeley. Uh, there's a big tournament down there. This is back in the '80s, yep. and yep. Um, I was not the most talented uh, uh, guy with a stick or the most talented mm -hmm. skater or super fast, but I had one thing going for me is I like to hit. So that's what I would do. And I was not a fighter. I was just a hitter. And my claim to fame is this. And what I couldn't believe is we went down there. That st that uh, rink was packed full of people when we were at the game. I mean, I couldn't believe it. And so the second game I show up and the highlight of my hockey career was I was number 13. There were guys with signs that said 13 sucks. 13 is a thug. And that was like, I saw that and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 could, I could talk to you for hours. I mean, this is, this is I don't know if we grew up in the same area. I think I grew up like 30 minutes away from you, 40 minutes away. So I appreciate you, man. If I could ever uh, do anything to help you out, um, you've got it. I want to thank you for, for coming out. I really appreciate you taking the courage to write the book as an author. I know how complicated this is. I know how much of a, you think anything's easy, but this is not. Um, it's definitely not easy to sit down and get a book done. It's easier to get a real estate transaction done than a book because it's like your soul <laughs> getting it out of you. How long did it take you to do? Uh, two years. Yep. Took me nine years to actually have the courage to take the year to get my book done. And it wasn't that I couldn't do it. It's just 
where do you start? Where do you begin? What do you do? So I want to thank you for coming out. Keep up the incredible work. I'm excited to hear what happens in the education. I'm all for uh, getting better education for better people out there. And, you know, I love the idea of opening up more charter schools. So anything you can do to do that, let us know, man. I'm super excited about that. We do that here and I know how well that works. All right, cool. Great chatting with you, man. Good luck. All right, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. Well, thanks for joining us for the Average Suck Show. And the big question people ask is like, Michael, what is next? And the answer is simple. Get Average Sucks, my brand new book. And the reason why I want you to have this is if there's things you want in your life and for some reason you've said to yourself, why am I holding back? Why am I not getting what I want? I know I'm capable of more. This book answers all of that and more. So go to averagesucks.com. Check out all the other stuff on the page. Got a bunch of bonuses for you. Get the book, read the book, and most importantly, follow the instructions. They're very simple. You'll finish this little book in, uh, in a couple hours. Real easy to read, and it's going to start showing you how to get more of what you want in this world. So averagesucks.com, and catch us on the next Average Sucks show.